I think you're in the right place. Uh, how to have an awesome international rotation as a student. I'm excited about being here. Um, this is what I love to do. I, I really enjoy talking with students. I really enjoy helping you find your way in, um, in missions and especially in uh, medical missions. Yeah, that's what my job has been since 2003, a little bit of my background. I grew up as a missionary kid in Bolivia, South America for five and a half years. Um, from there, I went to Ohio, then Michigan, and then North Carolina, where I did my uh, re uh, medical school and residency training, um, met my wife, and off we went to Kenya, Africa, where she had grown up as a missionary kid, and we worked there for the next uh, 14 years as full-time medical missionaries. Uh, there I was uh, family practice, which is a much brighter, broader thing than here in this country. Uh, at one time I was the um, OB doctor for the hospital, uh, the tuberculosis specialist, even though I'd seen two TB patients in my residency training. Um, and uh, I was in charge of all the Bush uh, clinics and uh, did all the orthopedics for the hospital, including op operative orthopedics. So that was, uh, you know, if I got bored with one thing, I'd just wait and uh, something would change. Um, in 1977, um, when I got married, my wife said, I want to go home to get married. I thought, well, yeah, everybody, every girl wants that. Uh, and then she said, home is Kenya, Africa, you know. And I thought, yeah, I know, uh, but I don't know that's what you meant. And so we went to Kenya, Africa to get married. Um, had a neat little wedding. Uh, Mom was coming through the reception line, breastfeeding their babies and everything else. Uh, it was just, it was just, uh, you know, it was an awesome experience for me all around. Uh, and one of the really cool things was that uh, my father and brother and I worked on an addition to the tuberculosis ward for the hospital. Uh, in 1984, I went back to. Tenwick Hospital as a medical student, and I spent some time in that tuberculosis ward, and then in 1989, I went back, and soon after being there, I was asked to be the tuberculosis director, uh, and I thought, man, how cool is this? About 12 years ago, I was helping build this building, and now I'm here working in this building, leading people to Christ. Um, one of the people I saw as a medical student in 1984 came to me and he said, uh, Dr. I'm, I'm having trouble swallowing. How old are you, sir? I'm 26 years of age. Food's sticking in my throat. I'm losing a lot of weight. Um, I said, Anaparono, I, I, I think that uh, you may have cancer of the esophagus, but you're awful young and i I've never diagnosed that in anybody before, and so I'm going to see if we have a barium swallow that we can do on you. And uh, we found some barium. It was out of date, but it worked. And um, we had him swallow that, and he had a fistula into his lungs already and saw a very nice air bronchogram and, and that apple core lesion. And he was losing a lot of weight and already could only eat drink fluids. I said, Adaprono, I said, um, 
I don't know what we can really do for you. I was a fourth-year medical student, and I said, let me discuss with some of the other doctors that were here. There were two other doctors there. I said, let me talk with them. And I went and talked with them, and they said, you know, the only thing we're going to be able to do is maybe give them a feeding tube into his stomach. So I went to them, and I said, Adapnono, I said, um, the only thing we can do for you is to put a feeding tube into your stomach so that when you can't swallow, at least you can take some liquids and be a little more comfortable until you die. And I was trying to explain to him, you know, I was a fourth-year medical student, and I thought, you know, I've got to explain all the pathophysiology of esophageal cancer and everything else to him. And, you know, he was totally lost. And, you know, I looked into his eyes, and I could tell he was thinking about something else. And I said, Adaprono, I said, um, what, what are you thinking about? He said, I've been an alcoholic for a long time. My mother is a Christian, and she tells me that she's been praying for me. And, Dr. I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but could you pray for me? And I thought, you know, I was just having devotions that morning, and I was asking God, God, can you help me understand what it means to witness in a Christian mission hospital? And here's one of the first patients I've seen that's asking me, can you pray with me? And I said, Adapanono, I, uh, yeah. And we stood there. I know the exact place at Tenement Hospital on the sidewalk where I led Adapanono to Christ. I said, Adapanono, I said, what about this feeding tube? And Well, let me back up a second. While we were praying, you know how sometimes you pray and your mind's wandering and you think of other things, and I'm thinking... Should I be doing this? Is is his prayer really real, or is just is this for me? Um, and when we said Amen, I got my answer. The peaceful look on his face and his smile gave me my answer. I knew it was real. I said to him, what about the feeding tube? And he said, let me talk with my mother and my family. I'll tell you tomorrow. So he went into the ward and went to his bed. And I went up to him the next morning and I said, Adaprona, what about that, uh, that feeding tube? What is your decision? He said, Dr. I've talked with my mother and my family. And if my family pays for the feeding tube, even though it was going to cost him the equivalent of about four or five bucks, he said, um, that's going to be expensive for our family. And it means one of my brothers will have to drop out of school if we pay for that. And he said, and you've told me that it will not really help me live much longer. It's not going to cure my disease. He said, I, I just want you to discharge me because I'm ready to go home now. And I said, are you sure? He said, yes. And I said, uh, where, where is your home, by the way? He said, no, that's, that's not the home I'm talking about. He said, yesterday, you helped me pray to Jesus. And I'm ready to go home. And he said, I want you to discharge me. And you know what? I've never forgotten I've been to Tenwick Hospital. Well, I lived there for seven years. I'd walk by that spot in the sidewalk. Uh, 
I can take you to that spot in the sidewalk right now if you want to go. Um, but I want to tell you, as a student, a fourth-year medical student, Araprono made a huge impact on my life. The first day, I went into the men's surgery ward, and I was uh, to make rounds on about 60 patients in about 23 beds. And, yeah, you heard me, uh, three to a bed, some one line in the middle this way, two line this way, um, under the bed, people everywhere. And I walked in, I was, like, overwhelmed. And Dr. Sturry, my father-in-law, said, come and find me if you have questions. And, you know, my first question was, hey, how do you start? Uh, well, I started at this one bed, and this guy had cut his heel off on a motorcycle chain. Uh, and he was been in the hospital. He developed some osteomyelitis. He was there a little while. Um, and I greeted him, and he right away handed me a gourd of something to drink. And I smelled it, and I thought, aha, uh-huh, I've heard about this stuff. It's sour milk. You put milk in a gourd. You put charcoal in this gourd. Uh, you let it set in the sun to dry and then, uh, or, or to, to ferment. And after three days of doing that, you drink this stuff, and it's called mursik. It's it's aptly named, I think, because the more, more you drink it, the more sick you get. I thought, this is a test. He poured me a cup. I drank it all the way down. And he became my instant friend. Uh, he knew what time I was supposed to make rounds. He'd have everybody's chart lined out in the bedside. Everybody was lined up. Hey, the doctor, he's coming. We need to help him. Um, after I discharged him, about six weeks later, towards the end of my stay there, um, <coughs> Araprono showed up at my doorstep one morning with three eggs and a gourd of morsek. And I said, hey, what are you here for today? Are you here for an appointment? No. Uh, where'd you come from? Well, I had to walk a day and a half. He was still on crutches. Um, why did you come? Because I knew that you were leaving soon, and I wanted to give you a gift. And this is all I have, three eggs, and here's some morsek. And we sat down underneath that tree that morning and drank some more, more sick. Um, I want you to have those kinds of experiences. Experiences that teach you something about medicine other than what's at the end of your stethoscope and the sounds that you hear. To truly understand that there are people in this world who desperately need you and have desperate needs. And you, as a student, can impact those people, and they can impact you. I can tell you, I can tell you story after story, which is what I really love to do, but we don't have time today. Um, but I have so many people in my life that have impacted me so deeply that started as a medical student. Let me warm this thing up here now. You know, I'm of the age that went all the way through medical school without ever touching a computer. Um, I didn't even know how to type. So life has changed for me a lot. Okay. Um, I was fortunate. I married into a uh, missionary family. Uh, so for me, these questions were, uh, were easy. How do I start? Where do I find information? 
who's going to help me? I feel overwhelmed by the whole process. Uh, how many of you feel a little bit overwhelmed as you walk through the two stories of exhibitors over there? Yeah, you think, man, I just need to get out of here so I can think. Um, I need someone to talk to with experience, but whom can I talk with and how? And, you know, all those kinds of questions. Uh, I was late because I was helping somebody solve some of these questions. And uh, um, all of a sudden I realized, man, I'm supposed to be up doing a talk at 2 o'clock. I'm going to run. Um, but I'm sure that you all have these kinds of questions. As an educator, you may have these questions for your students. Uh, these are all very, very valid questions, uh, and they must be wrestled with and answered. Um, how do I ensure a quality experience, and who's going to supervise my students? Um, how do I know that they're going to come back, you know, and are they going to be safe? You know, those kinds of things. It looks pretty bad if you have a student that just disappears overseas and never comes back. Um, what is wrong with this thing? Could I go? Um, yeah. Could I go? Yes. You should go. More than could you go, you should go. Why do I say that? Um, I think that students in every discipline um, need to go and have your worldview changed because we have a very, very um, limited worldview growing up in this country. And if you, if you get into uh, healthcare areas of healthcare and other parts of the world, your worldview is going to change greatly. What are some of the advantages? Um, I had to think in a whole new way. Have you ever had somebody tell you, uh, medical students, um, have you ever had somebody say to you, if you order the CBC on me, my brother's going to have to drop out of medical school? How many have had that experience? You, you have to start thinking of things like that. Um, it's, it's a great way for you to get into another setting, another culture. It's going to help you be a better practitioner. Uh, I'm amazed now, as I work at the, the VA part-time in Johnson City, where there's a medical school, uh, I'm amazed at uh, the students and the residents that come in, and I think, wow, you blew through that history and physical in about the time it takes me to pull my stethoscope out of my pocket. And you're depending totally upon technology, the CT scan to diagnose appendicitis. Do you know you can diagnose appendicitis without that CT scan? Uh, and you should be able to do that before you start thinking about letting the CT scanner do it for you. Um, God can speak to you in a much deeper way when you're out of your comfort zone. I find it hard for God to speak to me here in this country, honestly, because I can pretty much handle everything I need to do here. And you can too. We're just comfortable. We get out of our comfort zones, and God can speak to you about what he really wants to speak to you about. It's a great time for spiritual growth in your lives if you allow God to work. This thing's going to drive me crazy, and I'm going to have to shut it off. Um, you need to really begin planning early. Um, anybody know how to fix this problem? Huh? Okay, here we go. Stop. All right. Here's some of the other advantages. You go into a place like uh, 
Africa, you go into a place like Asia, South America, you know what? You're going you're gonna to see people that have problems that you only read about in the United States. You're going to see people with tuberculosis. Uh, like I said, I showed up at Tenwick Hospital. I'd seen one patient in Grand Rounds as a medical student with tuberculosis and another one in Grand Rounds in residency. And all of a sudden I was asked, will you be the tuberculosis doctor? All I could think of was, oh, I'm going to die. Um, you get all this speed them all over me, and this is really why I came to be a missionary doctor. Um, it turned into one of the best things I've ever done. I wish I could tell you stories about patients from the tuberculosis ward and how their lives were changed after being there in our treatment program for three months in the hospital and several months outside the hospital. And all that's changed now. It's all outpatient uh, treatment. But we trained some nationals to run that program. That was one of the most fun things I ever did. I never thought about doing that um, while I was in medical school and residency. But if you get exposed to a place like that, man, it just broadens. You heard King's Pride Hammond talking last night about expanding yourself by going to that second tier. Man, if you're not doing that in medicine, you're really losing out on a fun, fun, fun thing to do and a fun, great blessing because that's what it's about. That's what it is about. Um, and as a student, you can get exposed to that early and see what, what, what's that, what that is doing. I can remember one uh, time when I was the uh, medical superintendent of the hospital in, in Kenya. We were going through a huge drought, and patients were having a very difficult time paying their bills. Um, and I made each student who came, I said, if you're going to order a CBC, a complete blood count, you have to be able to explain to me in writing on the chart why you need every portion of that complete blood, blood count. Have you ever had to do that when you ordered one? Would you be able to? Probably not, because you don't even think about it. But I wanted them to know, do I really need a complete blood count? Do I need a white blood cell count if I already need, know that patient has meningitis? It would be nice. But you can still treat meningitis without knowing that. It's almost heresy to talk about that in this country. But in some cultures, when you are then beginning to uh, understand that, hey, if I order this CBC, I'm taking money away from somebody that's going to school. And you start thinking about, man, how do I do things differently? I can remember uh, looking at somebody's nose. They were, had, had anemia. And I was looking up their nose and I thought, man, this is a bloody tumor up there. Uh, and I went and got one of the experienced um, missionary physicians, and I said, would you come look at this bloody tumor in this guy's nose and figure out what we're supposed to do? It's, it's bleeding. I don't know how to stop it. And he's already anemic. He looked up there and he said, oh, that's a leech. I thought, oh, wow, where did he get that leech? Well, he swims in the, uh, in the water down below the hospital, and um, the day afterwards, I saw a little kid with malaria, and I looked in the back of his throat, and, and I thought, well, that's not a bloody tumor, that's a leech. I, I've, known, I've known that for a long time, at least since yesterday. Um, you know, you get to experience stuff like that, and where else are you going to be able to, uh, to do that? Okay, 
I guess I'm supposed to be moving faster. Um, okay, if you're going to go overseas, you have to start planning early. If you're a second-year medical student, you need to begin planning now for your senior year because the best spots fill up early. If you're a nursing student, if you're somebody else uh, in another area of health care, you need to begin planning early. Um, don't wait. Uh, don't wait till uh, three months and write to me and say, can you help me find a spot? Uh, and, by the way, it needs to be the best spot, and uh, this is the places I'm liking to go to. I'm going to write back to you and say, you know what, it's a little bit late uh, for that. Uh, you may have to rethink or take something that's uh, a little less uh, well-known. Start the process early. Um, we have two sections within Christian Medical and Dental Association that can help you start that process early. One is the Center for Medical Missions, uh, which is part of what I do um, and work with uh, students in this. Uh, the other is campus ministries. Um, most of your campuses, uh, if you're near a large university as an undergrad student, you can find the CMDA chapter. If you're in med school, dental school, uh, we should have a chapter on your campus, and you can find information from there. But begin planning early. When do you start to prepare? Um, we just talked about that. Uh, let me move on. Okay. You know what? Sometimes taking that first step is the hard one. Once you get going, it's kind of like Parkinson's. It's hard to get going, but once you start, then you can, you can get along. And, you know, that's the way I kind of see students getting along in, in missions. You know, they just, okay, I'm, I'm getting going now. But it's that first step sometimes that's hard to do. Um, what's the first step? Um, anybody here from East Tennessee State University? Johnson City, Tennessee? Oh, nobody's here from there. Okay. Um, there were two medical students there that I told them, you've got to start with the dean's office. You, you have to start there. No matter what level you're at, go to either your academic affairs office and say, can I do this? I told them that. Um, they didn't do it. Uh, they went through this whole process, applying to a certain country, were accepted, ready to go. Then they went to the academic affairs office, and they said, no, that's on a government non-travel list. You can't go there. And it was like two months before they were ready to go. And then they were panicking. You know, Dr. Tolan, now what do I do? Um, you know, that, that was tough. It was a tough thing for them. So be sure that you find out, do I get academic credit for this? Um, what's the best timing for this? Uh, when can I be away? When am I not allowed to be away? Start with the, your academic affairs office, no matter where you are, and um, they can help you. How do you decide on a location? There's lots of them. Okay? How do you start? I, I tell people start with a blank piece of paper and then just start writing down some things that you're interested in. If you're interested in a hospital, write that down. If you're interested in a clinic, write that down. If you're interested in a certain area of the world, write that down. If you're interested in a certain disease process, tuberculosis, HIV, AIDS, or something like that, write that down. Man, when I was in school, like I told you, there was no such thing as Google. Um, put those four, four words in there and see what pops up, okay? Uh, you can also come to uh, the CMDA site. We have a booklet on there called uh, International Student Rotations. 
Uh, it's under the Missions Department uh, uh, tab. And underneath there, we just recently redesigned this. We have, I think, um, close to 60 or 70 sites that have updated themselves in the last year telling you, okay, we accept nursing students, we accept uh, pre-med students, we accept med students or whatever, um, dental students. Uh, these are the experiences they can get. They can get operative experience. They, they can get uh, something or other, community health, uh, pharmacy or whatever. Um, you can search uh, through that. So if you get real specific, you might get one or two places um, for you uh, to go. If you want to be very general and say, I want to find all places in, in Africa, you get quite a few. Um, and then you can start looking at those places and start narrowing them down. It's a great place to start. Um, but I would ask yourself, uh, you know, is God directing me to a specific type of ministry, a specific place of ministry? Um, and I think that uh, that's, a, that's a great uh, place to start. Just think about yourself. How am I made up? Um, do I like small group type of things? Look for a smaller clinic or a smaller hospital. Am I okay in a very large hospital? Go to a place like Kajabi or Tenmuk Hospital or a place like that. Um, the one thing that's good is uh, if you look for a place that has a known history of accepting students, they're generally going to be pretty used to you. Um, <clears throat> when I was at Tenwick Hospital and Kajabi Hospital, man, I loved having students. Man, they, they slowed you down. Uh, you know, they asked questions that you think, man, I just answered that. Um, but you know what? It was fun. It was just fun because you got to see the impact on their lives. I've got one of my students that was at Tenwick Hospital way back in early 90s. He's now a missionary in one of the Russian countries. Um, and I can remember the place standing next to him in the middle of the night helping him set a forearm fracture. And I can remember one of the thoughts in my mind was, oh, man you know what, I could be in bed by now and this guy's arm could be straightened and I could be asleep. But this is important. It is important for me to be there next to Steve and helping him set that forearm fracture and teaching him how to put a plaster cast on. And he came away from that. I've never, never forget. He's looking at me. He said, man, that was so great. And I thought, yeah, it was pretty good. It was, it was nice. You know, I've, I've never been drunk. I've never been high. Uh, well, I have been high. I get high on doing things with you guys. It just really turns my crank. And that's what you need to look for. You need to look for a mentor that says, you know what? This is what I love to do. This is what I love to do. And uh, that's the kind of person and people that you need to be associated with as a student. Okay. Another very important thing to ask is um, looking for an organization. How do I find an organization? Um, I think it's really there are some important questions to ask. What type of group you want to work with? You want to be in a traditional hospital, a government hospital, development and AIDS organizations, tent making organizations. If you miss out on a lot of this stuff, don't worry. It's in that book on the internet. Um, so you can, you can look at that. It'll help you. Um, you know, example, 
specific things in China. Um, you can go to Shenyang, uh, uh, the city, sign up for working with uh, one of the uh, Chinese or clinics there, and uh, you might be able to get into working with trafficking in persons in that clinic because they have a program that does that in the evening. Uh, you know, things like that. You start, you start asking questions. Write to us. Write to my colleagues, Susan Carter and myself. We can, we can try to help you um, get going with that. Okay, the application process. Um, start off with a letter. You, in, in that booklet that's on the Internet, it, it tells you who you're supposed to write to. Okay? I've been on the receiving end of those. I've gotten some letters that I look at and I think, I do not have time to read ten pages about your history. Okay, I, I really don't care about when you lost your first tooth. Um, something like that. You know what? What I care about is I want to know what Jesus is doing in your life right now. Put that in there. Jesus is working in my life in this way, and this is why I want to come to your place. Um, you know, put some, put some basic things in there about what you would like to do, uh, a little bit of a testimony, and then say, you know, what, what's the next step? What's the next step? Um, and begin to realize that you're doing more than making an application. You're developing already a relationship. And that relationship, if you do it well from this end and they do it well from that end, is going to be very important to you in this whole uh, whole process. Ask about other organizational requirements. Some places require you to apply to their mission board here in the United States. Some places you just apply directly to a hospital and come. So make sure you ask about those things. Um, keep a list of things that need to be done. Man, make yourself a spreadsheet list and keep a list of those things that need to be done. There are applications you can uh, fill out for applying for scholarship money. Um, you can apply for, as a student, uh, I think it's 500 bucks in travel assistance money through CMDA. But there's a deadline. We're not going to give that to you if it's a week ahead of time. You know, we've got to have some more information about you um, beforehand. Uh, readers, uh, the old Reader's Digest International Fellowships, now through MAP, um, have deadlines also, up to $1,500, I think it is, in travel costs, maybe a little bit more. Um, but uh, those are available. Um, you know, the application process can be really busy um, process, and you need to keep track or you're just going to lose, lose, your, uh, lose your way in that. A um, little bit of scholarships. I've talked about the, both of those. Uh, I want to leave a few minutes for questions. Preparing yourself. If I have to say one thing to you, it's start a journal early on. Start a journal early on. And don't just write down there, uh, today, uh, November, whatever today is, um, you know, I attended a lecture. Uh, what is it? It is. How many veterans? Do we have veterans here? Would you two stand up, please? <laughs> 